Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Thursday evening. You guys probably listening to this on Friday morning after the Cubs take the middle two games of a four-game set with the Philadelphia Phillies, two first-place teams at Wrigley Field, and they both uh, get themselves a split. I I think it's a little easy to have hoped for more given the way these games played out, but Brendan, I, I think all told, uh, a, a playoff-like feel at Wrigley for four days here. And, you know, again, when you're playing a first-place team, I'm not super mad about splitting. I mean, just getting right into it, with Jake Arrieta coming back, that was like a goosebump moment, man. And when the Cubs gave him that standing ovation, it reminded me of kind of like why we fell in love with Jake Arietta. And so when Arietta took his moment to recognize the fans, like that's who he was. He took his moment. He recognized the big situations. And yeah, like seeing Arietta back on that mound at Wrigley was so bizarre in a different uniform, you know, throwing those 93 mile per hour sinkers. And it, it hit me right in the feels, man. It really did. I, I didn't realize how much, you know, you miss someone like an Arietta when, he, when he's gone. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was, uh, you know, and we're already getting back to Monday here, but I, I was a little emotional there. There was definitely, saying, uh, yeah. someone, someone in, in, in my house was definitely cutting some onions throughout that game. I'm sure that's what it was. Uh, but, we will talk about these uh, four games. I'll, I'll run through just a quick recap of how it all went down so we can kind of set the stage. And then we will talk about it all. We will talk about the Yu uh, Darvish versus Jake Arietta Monday night primetime showdown that we had 
and we will talk about the Javi Baez walk-off. He adds another chapter to the wonderful story of El Mago that keeps growing and growing. Anthony Rizzo's dropping bombs. He's breaking signs, uh, you know, getting up in that Schwarber territory of uh, home runs like that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Schwarber himself, who continues to do some really good things. Maybe take a look at the bullpen and everything else going on in between with the Cubs. Just a quick recap here of these games. The Phillies taking game one, five to four. It's a very frustrating game. Uh, the U Darvish, I think, was the better pitcher in this game compared to Jake Arrieta. Both pitchers go six innings. U gives up three earned, three walks, seven strikeouts to Arietta's six innings, one earned, two walks, four strikeouts, soft contact against you, uh, and just, you know, kind of some badly timed balls really does him in. Uh, And then ultimately the Cubs bullpen cannot hold this one down. The Phillies tying this one in the top of the ninth, and then JT Riomuto winning this one in the 10th with a home run on Tuesday. Cubs winning 3-2-2, and this was the Javi Baez walk-off game. We'll talk more about the specific circumstances of that, I think, uh, you know, once we finish with this. Uh, But again, the Cubs winning this one 3-2. They score two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning to win this one and walk off the Philadelphia Phillies. Jose Quintana started this one for the Cubs. He goes six, gives up no earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and two hits allowed. He was very good in this game again. On Wednesday, the Cubs winning this one again, and all it took, guys, was three bombs, and that is how the Cubs get eight runs. That's always a fun recipe. Brendan, they get out hit by five by the Phillies, but they outscore them by four. And, uh, yeah, good formula. And sometimes yep. that is... That's Cubs baseball right there. Uh, that's that's Cubs baseball sans Chili Davis. Right, that's right? recovering like, from Chili Davis. Yes, 100%. So the three bombs in this game accounting for eight runs. And Anthony Rizzo, three-run home run that tied the game. The Cubs were trailing three to nothing in the bottom of the third. That tied things up. Albert Elmora Jr., who we will also be talking about once we finish up here with the recap, hits the first grand slam of his career. And it broke a 3-3 to tie. Not a better time for that. And I don't recall... If Albert has had a curtain call at Wrigley Field before, I, I'm not thinking of of a time. He certainly had walk-off hits before, but you don't get a curtain call for that. Um, yeah. So I don't know if this was his first time, but but it always cool when guys, you know, non—Javi gets them every five minutes, right? <laughs> and it's always cool. But it's cool when some of these other guys have those moments. His first Grand Slam, a really nice curtain call, and so that was a really cool moment for Al. And then in the bottom of the seventh, it was the aforementioned El Mago, Javier Baez, his 12th on the year. And that gets you eight runs, folks. So that was the story on Wednesday. Cole Hamels, uh, not great in this game. Four innings, three earned, two walks, and six strikeouts. Uh, nine hits allowed. A lot of uh, seeing-eye contact in this one, Brendan. Uh, just one of those games where the Phillies were putting the ball on the ground and the Cubs just were not in the position to field them. Uh, so sometimes that'll happen. But who was really good in this game is Tyler freaking Chatwood. He comes in, and I think this is the third time he's done something like this, at least off off the top of my head. I know uh, he did it in that game in Arizona where he you know kind of played a big role in lengthening that game. He had an at-bat in that 
game mm-hmm. and uh, also that 15-inning game that Wilson hits the walk-off. Uh, this is another yeah. one. Tyler comes in after Cole Hamels, throws four innings, three hits, one earned, one walk, three strikeouts. Uh, so a, a big got outing for Tyler to kind of rescue Cole Hamels and, and keep the, the Cubs from having to dip further into that bullpen. And he uh, shut the Phillies down. So, you know, allowed the Cubs to break out the bats and do their thing. On Thursday, this was a weird one uh, because it kind of just looked like one you could throw in the trash and and move on. Uh, the Phillies led 7 to nothing at one point in this game. It was another clunker for my boy, John Lester. Four innings, seven runs, only only four of them earned, though. The defense behind him didn't particularly make a bad outing any better. Uh, just one walk and five strikeouts, but he gives up two home runs, one of which by JT Riomuto that unfortunately might still be flying through the uh, Chicago night. That was an absolute bomb, uh, as much as it pains me to say. And that's, you know, just sort of the story with John Lester. Uh, but the Cubs trailed seven to nothing. Uh, they cut the lead multiple times. Uh, they trailed seven to two, then seven to three. Kyle Schwarber, with his seventh home run of the season in the seventh inning, brought it to a three-run game at eight to five. Anthony Rizzo followed later with his 13th of the year, now number one on the team, for those of you counting. That made it a two-run game. Uh, The Phillies would add one in the top of the eighth, and then the bottom of the ninth, the Cubs would threaten getting a run on, this is a real thing that happened, a Tyler Chatwood pinch hit double uh, that drove in Rizzo. That made it nine to seven. He's got a good swing, though. I mean, that's a a good swing. Like I said, yeah, we saw him get, uh, you know, take a good swing on the, on the ball in that game in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they, you know, the Cubs were just in a place where they had used their entire bench and they needed someone to come up there. And I mean, he smoked it over McCutcheon's head. And I think everybody, you know, it's, it was kind of like, uh, wasn't McCutcheon the one that caught that Pedro was, Stroke ball? It was, and he like That's stand, weird. I didn't even think about yeah, that. And he stands still and he's like, what did I just yeah, see? It, yeah. It was a similar reaction, except McCutcheon didn't catch this one. Like right away, everybody's like, "Whoa!" Like this is he—he he just hit a, a rope. Like everybody was playing way too in for this. Uh, but that was followed by a horrific at bat from Addison Russell and a Victor Caratini flyout that would ultimately strand uh, the tying runs. So that is how that one kind of petered out in the end. So it went from a seven to nothing blowout to all of a sudden a very competitive game where we're all kind of complaining about the umpires by the end of the game somehow. But, uh, that's the story in that one. Uh, Nola with the win, he is now five and zero, and John Lester with his third loss of the season. So that, that kind of gets us through just a quick lay of things there. But Brendan, there, there's a lot to break down in this series. The first thing I want to talk about, and I I think usually this is a fair way to proceed in terms of appeasing everyone, let's just talk about Javi Baez. Sure. I, I think that's the easiest way to go about things. And just another fun chapter to add to the legend of El Mago. We knew that he was dealing with that sore heel after making a a really nice play in that uh, finale with the Nationals on Sunday Night Baseball, and the Cubs just being conservative with it. You know, they uh, had scheduled him for an MRI, I believe, uh, on on Tuesday afternoon, or maybe it was on on, on Wednesday afternoon, whenever it was, Uh, but he 
going into that game on Tuesday, you know, we weren't sure that he was available. It certainly seemed like he was not going to be available as there were times earlier in the game where you're thinking, okay, if he's available to pinch hit, let's try it now. It's a low scoring game. Let's get him in here and see if he can get the big hit to kind of reverse the the, the fortunes in this game. But this was such a, a Javi moment in, in the sense that the, the Cubs are, I believe, 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position to that point, right? And at the time, Brendan, I was watching the national broadcast. This game was on ESPN. I normally do the the overlay with 670, the score, but I, I changed rooms and because it's available on the TV, I just threw it up on ESPN, didn't want to worry about it. And it was such an amazing moment because I think Descalso was the one that was due up. And the announcers are talking about Descalso and getting ready for this at bat. And all of a sudden, you just hear this roar start to come over the crowd. And immediately, I'm thinking, okay, I, <laughs> I know what this is. And out comes Javi Baez, you know, the the knight in shining armor to try to save save the day. And first pitch, he lines one right down the right field line, wins the game, brings in the winning run. And because he wasn't really going to run full out because of the the sore heel, he has this moment where, like, as soon as he does it, he just kind of stands there and is like, yeah, okay, done. You know, like, Joe is like, Javi, we need you to go out there, have a good at bat, win this game. And it's like nothing for him. He's like, yeah, okay, done. Okay, we can go home now. This was just so Javi, man. Like, they, they were struggling with runners in scoring position all game. And, and you know, it's sort of like a budding trend with them as a team that gets a lot of guys on base often deals with, you know, r- always getting hits with runners in scoring position isn't easy. And they just call upon Javi and he's like, yeah, no problem. I got it. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine being a fly on the wall for this conversation. So after the game, Baez was talking about like what he told Pedro Strope and John Lester. So imagine that trio in the dugout or in the clubhouse. Imagine that. So this is what uh, this is what Baez said. Quote, I told Pedro Strope I was going to end the game. He did not believe me. Lester said, you're not supposed to be out there. And I said, look, we're going to play a long game. And it was tight. And so basically, Baez told Pedro Strope and John Lester, game's over. Give me the bat. I'm going out there. I'm ending this. Yeah. And I I love this. Uh, I'm looking at the NBC Sports article. I I love this. (laughs) I love this quote from Strope where he says, quote, he started putting his shoes on and I'm like, Javi, you're not playing today. And all of a sudden I hear on the TV and they're like, Joe Madden's going to his bench. Javi Baez is pinch hitting. (laughs) And just the notion of, of, of Strope being like, you're not even playing today. Javi's like, I got it. Like, don't worry. But I have to guess, Brendan, that this... This walk-off probably moves Albert Almora Jr. a few notches in your book because Albert Almora immediately, if you go back and look at the tape, is looking at everybody else making the beeline for Javi going, mm-hmm. you know, don't pick him up, I don't punch it. him, don't, you see, know, he's got a sore foot. See, that's a that's the awareness we're talking about here. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I yeah. Trust me. Trust me. I, I recognize that right away. And you don't want him to put any weight on, on that heel. But I, I just want to go back to Pedro Strope. 
Apparently, he was like sprinting around the clubhouse when Javi hit that walk off. So now, not only are you concerned about you know Javi's heel, but Strope's hamstring out there sprinting around. That's the last thing you want. So uh, fair to say, the Cubs avoided you know two different possible disasters. Well, only only you look at those those things like that. I mean, hold I, on, you got it. You got to admit you weren't at no. least looking at the heel when the Cubs were. You know they 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 demolished their guys whenever they hit a walk off. No. So. Yeah, no, I was thinking the first thing that came to mind was, of course, Javi walks it off on the first pitch on one on one freaking foot. And I love the idea of Strope running around. Nobody, nobody thinks about these things like you, Brendan. Well, when Yoenis breaks his ankle on a ranch, man, this is the crazy stuff that happens. You know, look, we've been conditioned. Sammy Sosa hurt his back sneezing. Yeah, Brandon Mara hurt his back or whatever, putting his pants on. Like these, I think he was putting his pants on. Yeah, yeah, these weird things happen. Well, who among us, right? I'm sorry, but. I'm not, look, I'm not psychotic. Of course, I recognize that moment, but it is in the back of my head where, like, you know, please don't hurt yourself celebrating this. Uh, and that Kendry Morales, you know, broken leg on that walkout grand slam yes. 10 years ago. So, yeah, these now, things do, I, co- yeah, you know, in the back I, of my I, I, I understand why you are the way that you are, but it doesn't make it any more fun to, uh, you know— but you act, you act like I don't. While everybody it. else is celebrating a walk, no, I'm but, celebrating it too. Like I'm not. You're making me like sound like I'm psychotic over here. It's not. That's not how it is. I just. I. It's in the back of my mind. Let's put it that way. It's. It's an afterthought. It's not my primary thought. Whatever you have to tell yourself, buddy. But I. Th- this. This was an amazing moment, and you know, again, like the. There's there's such a a cool thing that has developed and and I I know that a lot of you guys end up at Wrigley Field and and are certainly watching the games and this is just something that I certainly have noticed in going to as many games as I've been fortunate enough to attend you know especially since 2015 but the way that the crowd has developed this love with Javi Baez and you know we're, we're Cubs fans we love our guys right like we're we're gonna you know support everybody and 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 get loud in those big moments but the the roar that comes over this crowd and just that palpable sense that everybody knows Javi's gonna be the one to do it the the Javi Javi chance like as soon as he steps in the batter's box has just been so amazing to watch as you know you just sort of watch these guys elevate into star status and, and things like that and you you get a big buzz when Rizzo comes up in big moments Chris Bryant got a huge ovation when he pinch hit on Thursday in a spot to kind of get the Cubs back uh in a game that they were trailing by a lot but right now man like and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong everybody but there is nothing like the energy that that pulses through Wrigley Field when Javi has the chance to come through in a big moment. There's just nothing like it. it it's electric when Javi Baez has an opportunity to be the hero at Wrigley Field because everybody just yeah. at this point expects him to do it and they believe in him so much. And, you know, just, and we've talked about this before too, there's the, the absolute joy that that man plays baseball with and and wearing that all on his sleeve I think really adds to that but just another amazing moment he doesn't need he doesn't even need two feet guys like and he'll he'll take care of it like it's it's too easy for him right now it's it's really special to watch but Brendan I I do want to go back to Monday's game and and talk a little bit about the Jake Arrieta U Darvish Bowl I, I didn't come up with a, a more creative name <laughs> For that, but you know, we'll go with that. And I, 
I, I did just want to circle back to, I, I'm very glad that we got that moment with Jake. And he's been back here before, you know, they played video packages before, but this is something that, you know, you, you don't always know when these moments are going to come, that you're going to be able to get them. And to have the moment where, you know, Victor, who was catching that night, you know, stands up, is is not going to, you know, get this play going. You stepping back off the mound and, and the crowd giving Jake the standing ovation. Uh, it was just something that, that, that needed to happen. It, it was, it was so deserved for yeah. Jake. And, uh, I, I think, you know, almost like a, a moment of closure for everybody, you know, he, he's not been a cub for, you know, a full year now, but this is that moment that you just need where we can all publicly say, thank you, Jake. Like we recognize the, the accomplishments that you brought to this city and what you meant to this city. And yeah, like I said, I mean, like I, you know, I feel like that old Mike Myers SNL skit. Like I was getting a little verklempt watching this. I'm like, man, like rarely do I get emotional watching these games. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. You do appreciate it more because, like you said, you don't know when or if you get a moment to do that. And I think I'm reminded of our teams that we watched growing up. And, you know, Derek Lee, Aramis Ramirez, and those guys. And I sadly can't remember a same reaction for Aramis Ramirez. Like, I know they gave him, you know, something behind home plate when he came back to Wrigley. Uh, I think when he was with Milwaukee after he played for the Cubs. But that's what I'm saying. It's like these these all... Look, Arietta's an all-time great cup. Maybe not statistically or whatever, but he provided some of the most memorable times, I think, in our, you know, in our fandom. So to get that appreciation was huge. And it also reminded me of 2014 when he was in Boston and he almost threw that no hitter. Mm-hmm. And this is why. So when Arietta is walking off the mound in Boston and the Boston crowd is giving him that ovation, Arietta he, he recognizes these moments like to savor them. And Arietta takes his hat off, you know, he, he tips his cap, but he takes an extra second in 2014 to recognize the magnitude of that moment. And he did the same thing at Wrigley. Like, yeah, he stepped out. And that he really, he wanted to look around at every single perspective of Wrigley Field to embrace that. And that, that was, that was special. It, it, it really was. And I think by the time Arietta's career is over, he's going to be remembered, I think, as a Cub. I know he has a lot more time to go, but. Oh, you don't think he'll be remembered as an Oriole? <laughs> I mean, maybe some people in Baltimore will uh, remember that. 
Yeah, I, I think I don't. I certainly don't remember specifically. I'm sure those guys, you know, had like decent little ovations when they first came. Yeah, back. I mean, they had their ovations, um, but I, I remember very vividly. I'm like, this is what they're doing for Aramis, like before the game starts, when half of Wrigley Field is not even there yet. Like, are you right. serious? Come on, that's, that's yeah. That, that's kind of what I meant. Is you yeah. just never know the circumstances that that these returns or reunions, whatever it is, are going to come under, and and so I think that we were able to just get you know, a, I think what was a mostly full house at Wrigley, I think it was uh, pretty cold on Monday. So, you know, maybe not completely, but a mostly full house at Wrigley, standing ovation, they just get that moment. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, that, that we have that. And everybody was, was able to, was able to savor it. And, and, you know, that, that, that we got that. So, but I, I do also want to, at the same time, give, uh, you know, a lot of credit to you, Darvish. I thought he pitched a really good game on, on Monday and it was, was so close, man, to, to having that, that big time Wrigley Field start, uh, that, you know, we were all kind of waiting for. Yeah. And, you know, I think the game, kind of gets away from him not necessarily um you know because he was pitching really poorly he or got anything. kind of screwed with some of those yeah, it just was, hits. that's the issue yeah it just was kind of one of those things um you know even that uh that triple that uh puts the phillies up three to one by cesar hernandez you know, like is in that weird spot in the right field wall where it's pretty dangerous for Jason Hayward if he's going to try to make like a diving play on that. It's it's kind of where the, the two walls converge as a bit of a corner. You're dealing with a lot there and then it bounces over his head. It just, you know, kind of a, a, a fluky little thing. And, you know, that's kind of where the lead goes away. And, but, but I, I, I really thought that you was the better pitcher of the two. The, the Cubs offense letting Jake off the hook early in the game when they had some opportunities to really cash in, uh, with runners on and, and, and bigger situations. Um, but I thought, I thought you was, was good in this game. And, you know, all told, like he does deliver by the book a quality start. And I, and I think for him to do that, on a night where so much of the focus was on Jake Arrieta and you was even self-aware of that going into the start, you know, mm-hmm. calling Jake a, a Cubs legend right. and noting the accomplishments that he had made. Like he knew that this was going to be a, a high profile game and one where he was, you know, fair or otherwise going to be directly compared to the other pitcher, not just because he was his opposition for the evening, but because they were sort of going toe to toe in, in free agency together. So Mm -hmm. I thought this was a really good start for you. And it was disappointing that it it didn't result in a win because I think the body of work for Darvish in this game uh, deserved one. He handled the moment exceptionally well, but it's the same issue that I've had the past couple of weeks. And I'm not going to kind of relish in a start like this until Darvish shows some of that fastball command. Because if you're throwing 55, 60 sliders a game when you're only throwing 100 or 90 total pitches, that that is going to be problematic, possibly. And I said before, but if this is what it is, and so be it, but you kind of expect a little bit more. And it is kind of, and not to say that you're wrong here, Corey, whatever, but it is kind of like a silver lining start again. And I'm kind of sick of 
doing this. He, he pitched well, don't get me wrong. Six innings, he did very well. Quality start. He handled the moment exceptionally well. But the stuff that has hurt him recently with his fastball command was still problematic. So he threw only mm-hmm. 18 four-seam fastballs. And half of those were thrown way outside, basically, that would have hit the right-handed uh, batter's head if he was batting. So he's still not showing that fastball command that I want to see. Until he does that, any type of these you know, six-inning starts are sort of silver lining starts, and I want, I want to see more of that. So I'm still—I had the same issues I had a few weeks ago with Darvish. I think it's great that he's finding a way to handle— and get around his inability to locate the fastball and be successful despite that. But I still have issues that that's not going to be a long-term solution. And I still worry about, you know, once the scouting report does turn and people realize, you know, this guy's throwing 60% sliders per game, how the league will adjust to that. So again, it's, it's just a matter of him getting his fastball command back. He didn't have it again at the same time. Give him credit for adjusting around the fact that he did not have it, and he gave the team a quality start. So there's good, there's bad, but I'm still in the same place I was even two weeks ago with Darvish. Yeah, and and, and not to be uh, forgotten that this Phillies lineup is good. This Phillies yeah. lineup has some very good hitters in it, and unfortunately, Andrew McCutcheon picked this series to kind of get his his season in gear, uh, full gear here. So especially with him, it lengthens that a bit. But yeah, I think it's, you know, the the thing with Darvish is always going to be that you're, you're kind of always going to think that there's just more to be had there. And But it's not, I think it's, it's not like I want more out of it. Like I want normal Darvish. Like normal Darvish doesn't throw. Well, normal Darvish is more than I think what we're seeing. Yeah, but I'm not saying, oh, I want a complete game shutout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sure, want, sure. like, here's, here's the thing. If he had a, that six inning quality start and threw good fastballs with good command, I would be more encouraged despite the same stat line. But that's what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, I I don't expect, you know, more from Darvish because, you know, he has it in him. I expect just him to be normal, to have fastball command. That's what I'm trying to uh, get at here. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that, you know, we talked about earlier in the year where when he was struggling, like, okay, right now, you know, he kind of slots in as the fifth starter. Like, you know, we, we can kind of let him figure things out and, and, and maybe not panic as much. But now you're kind of getting to the point where, okay, we're seeing Lester kind of have these starts that, that he's had. <laughs> choose, choose your words carefully there. I, yeah, I, I, right. I, I uh, well, but but it's just to say that, you know, we, 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 we noted this even at the time, even I did. Like, we can't count on John Lester to deliver a 1.1 ERA for the entire season. Mm-hmm. And... When he starts to have starts like this, we've seen Cole Hamels have pretty high pitch counts recently in some of his starts. Like, you you need everybody to kind of step up at different times. So I think that's where this, you know, the uh, digging into Darvish and and trying to figure out how he can get back to that normalcy and and better command of his fastball is is always going to be important because you you don't want to just slot him in and say ah he's you know he can be the the fifth starter and we'll we'll see what we get you know you're 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 going to need him to be at the top at yeah. at certain points of this season when the other guys aren't able to consistently you know just deliver great start after great start everybody's got to contribute and everybody has to be able to step up at different times but i want to talk about albert almora junior brendan 
And I I, I want to read this stat, and this was going into the game on Thursday, and he doesn't have a good game on Thursday. So certainly this is going to skew some of these stats as he had an 0 for 4 day on Thursday. But the, the, the point is still, you know, rather, rather good, I believe. And this is from Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune. And he says, Amora batting 337, 28 for 83, again, prior to Thursday, uh, with seven doubles, five homers, 14 RBIs in his last 24 games. The five homers match his total from last season in 152 games in 2018. Mm-hmm. His grand slam was the third for the Cubs of 2019, all in this month at Wrigley Field. And that is the first time the Cubs have had three grand slams in a month at Wrigley Field since June of 1987, a year <laughs> that Brendan and I both remember very, very, very well. Very fondly, yes. Uh, no, neither of us nope. remember that because neither of us were alive. Nope. But again, you know, over four day on Thursday, he grounded into a double play at a pretty inopportune time uh, in this game as well. But those are really good numbers. And and for someone who, you know, has always, you know, we, we know about the defense, he makes good plays in center. I think the, the Cubs defense is better served when he is in center, allowing Hayward to play in right where he is one of the best in, in the game. And, you know, these numbers are really good. And, and yeah. you know, he's he's starting to show a little more power, which I think is something that you were kind of thinking was possible going into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, again, we've, we've sort of belabored the point about how good Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo have been. And the key to this team going to another level in terms of their offensive production and, and, and really just on the whole is some of these other guys being able to supplement that and, and make that lineup all the, all the longer, right? And when you right. look at what Almora has been able to do in the time that he's been given, and again, I, 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 I love him in the, in the, the sort of mid to late portion of this lineup. <laughs> I think this is the right spot. You always got to throw that in there, don't you? I, 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 I'm just saying he's, he's <laughs> hitting fair. a lot better since they, they moved him from the leadoff spot, I think. So yeah. I, 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 I agreed with it and I, and I think I'm very happy with the results. Yeah. Uh, but also what we've been seeing out of Schwab's at the lead off spot you know if you can kind of have that as a one to six you know if if or if Hayward is hitting sixth and you know Amora seventh whatever it is you've got a a very long lineup that will be reminiscent of of other lineups we've seen this Cubs team put out there where it is a slog to get through if you are a pitcher because you are not safe when you get through you know Javi or uh, Chris and Rizzo in the first inning you know going two three like you've got a another you know big group of hitters coming up that that you have to maintain composure. And one thing that we've always seen with this team is that they are very good at adjusting. And, you know, as you keep going through this order, they're going to give you trouble. And if you're able to lengthen that space where these guys are hitting really well, it's a it's a lethal lineup, even more so than we've already seen, Brendan. Yeah. And with Almora, like the reason... The reason I thought he had more power in him was nothing to do with numbers. Like he just has that pretty swing. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he just has that it. You just like his hair. Well, I do love his hair. I mean, by the way, the the headband and the hair, like perfect baseball fashion. Huge supporter of that. But 
going back to even his days in spring training, like every single spring training I go to, he's always putting on a show in BP. I swear to God, he's one of the one guys who's throwing up bombs left and right. And you you look around and you're talking to different Cubs fans. It's like, why is Al not hitting more homers in the actual games? And I don't know the reason for that, but I just always knew he's got a pretty swing. He does seem to have more raw power than he gets credit for. And maybe we'll have to see more, but maybe he is tapping into some of that raw power potential that he does have. Now, Evan Altman wrote a terrific post about this a few days ago on CubsInsider.com showing maybe one reason why he is more successful recently. And he's not striding as high and as more pronounced uh, as he as he was in, even a few weeks ago and how he's been striding his entire career. He has a very big leg stride for a timing mechanism, and he's not doing that as much anymore. And maybe that's allowing him to recognize pitches more. Maybe that's allowing him to get in a, a set position a little bit sooner so he can see the pitches better, whatever it is. It's it's working. And I think it goes back to the point, too, that that you and I always harp on is there's so many different numbers out there and you can always talk about, you know, small sample size and whatever. And if you don't watch these games, you're going to miss out on some really important things and some observations. And I think what we're seeing with Al is, yeah, he made this change with his stride and now he's hitting the ball further and he's pulling the ball more with authority and he's hitting the ball higher. He's hitting the ball higher and further. That's what you want to see from, from Al. And I don't know what to expect going forward. I'm not saying, oh, this is the new Almora or whatever, but it is fun to see him do so well because you know he has all the talent in the world. And to see it actually translate onto the field is fun to watch. And especially because Hayward has not been good recently. And Al has been a terrific defender the past year and a half. So if you can combine any type of offensive value that's going to be a bonus to his already superb defense. And we see him continue to make play after play out there in center field. So it's just, it's fun to watch. Uh, I, I, I'm i with you, Corey. I'd rather see him do it kind of lower in the order. But there there is going to come a point where if he's doing this well consistently, I don't have an issue throwing him back out there just for a few games, depending upon the matchup, even at leadoff. But as as it goes right now, I think Schwarbs is like stapling down that role, at least for the short term. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, coming into the game on Thursday, Almora was at a 97 WRC plus. So, so just, uh, you know, very shy of, of league average. It, it dips down to 91 again after the 0 for 4 on Thursday. But I think the key is that he's, he's finding himself, you know, very nearly putting up kind of those league average numbers. And, you know, if he's able to do that along with his defense, keep, you know, seeing a, a little more of this power show off. He's, you know, a, a very valuable piece to this team and a, and a very key complementary piece, again, to those, uh, you know, kind of main four guys here that are that are going to continue driving this offense. And how confident, you know, how confident are you that this is going to continue? <laughs> I, I I don't know honestly at the this pa- point. The pause says it all. Just with some the of these guys, I've, I've I I don't like trying to figure out what I think is going on. I, I've made the mistake of either buying into Hayward's resurgence or his slumps equally too many times that for some of the, like, I will, I will absolutely scream to the heavens that I think Chris Bryant is going to be an MVP player, right? Like we did all this time. But with some of these guys, I'm kind of content to just 
dig into what they're doing at the moment, talk about what we like, what we don't like, and just see if they can can keep it going. I you know I, I don't feel like offering a uh, no I get definitive it. I get it. stance on that, but I but I I, I I do think that you know one thing that is just interesting is uh, you know it's what is today May twenty third as we record this. Uh, so Al's got a, a good bit of time here to eclipse his career high in home runs, which is eight from the twenty seventeen season. So much like we're keeping an eye on Rizzo for the, you know that key number of thirty two that he's always sat at. Uh, you know, it'd be cool if Al could get to double digits, uh, you know, double his total from, from 2018. Again, uh, you know, free of Chili Davis's, you know, the, the chains that were put around this offense. Literally the so, chains. That's uh, you know just a, a an interesting number to to keep in mind and 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 see if he's able to eclipse it. But I, again, like as I was talking about, you know, kind of going into it, I, I think that Schwarber's really found a spot for himself in, in that leadoff spot. And I think you and I were both big fans of the experiment be- before it started, right? Like <laughs> in 2017, I I think you'd have to be. Uh, a little crazy at this point to, you know, say that that like worked out really well. Um, I, I don't know how yeah, you can argue later. that. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I think that the, you know, the thought process was right and, and, and it is now. And I, I'm looking at, and, you know, this is from, uh, earlier this afternoon on Thursday and Tony Andraki from NBC Chicago pointing out in the eight games that he has been at the leadoff spot, for the Cubs, Schwarber slashing a 267 batting average, 368 on base, 567 slugging, good for a 935 OPS. He scored eight runs and has four extra base hits with six RBIs. So that's really good. And and you know we 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 highlighted that at bat, the 13 pitch at bat that ends in the opposite field home run for him in the Washington series because it was a good example of the eye that he's able to have and the ability to run up pitch counts, keep at-bats going, keep fighting and and grinding out those at-bats. And I think you're really seeing the results pay off. And in a lot of these games, especially when he's able to hit with the authority that he has uh, recently, you know, you love him hitting in front of Chris and Javi and Anthony because, you know, just in in so many of, especially early in this year, and I think even, you know, all of this time sans Dexter Fowler, right? We've gone through these bouts where it just has not been a productive spot for the Cubs lineup at, at all times. And mm-hmm. to see Kyle up there doing this and, you know, know that you have that confidence when the lineup turns over, you know, you're not just waiting to get to Chris in the two hole. And then, you know, the middle of that order, like you, you've got Kyle, there to kind of start things off and you and you kind of just go through this murderer's row of sorts where it's just like okay like if they can navigate through Kyle Bryant Rizzo and Javi without some damage like good on them right Mm -hmm. you tip your cap to the pitcher but that's a a really tough stretch you know especially followed by Wilson on the on the days that he's uh back there catching like that is a really really tough lineup so it's I I have been very pleased with this experiment with Kyle up top and I think if he's able to keep this going uh, you know, again, like I'm not sure if this is their long-term plan or, or exactly what they have in mind here for this, um, but it's it's certainly worked so far to to some really good numbers. Yeah, and he's doing it too against left-handed pitching. I mean, he faced a tough lefty, and he was 
right up there in the leadoff spot. Yeah. So that says something to that that Joe trusts Schwarber in that situation. And Schwarber's one of those guys where you just you don't understand why his numbers are not better. I mean, let's looking at it right now, he makes currently above league average contact. In the month of May, he's walked once every fifth plate appearance, a 20% rate. That's insanely high. And he has potential to hit 40 homers, 40 plus homers. How has he not been better? And I, I think no matter what his age is, no matter what stage in his career he's at, I'm going to believe he can be one of the best hitters in the league. That's just how I, how I operate given what you see. And recently too, he just looks, he looks better. Like even, mm-hmm. He looks pretty good in, in late April, but he looks even better now than he did a few weeks ago. He's continuing to adapt. You start the game with Schwarber. He gives you a long at-bat. Then you go with KB. You go with Rizzo. You go with Javi. You go with Wilson. That sucks for pitchers. That yeah. really, really sucks. So if, if Schwarber can continue just to do what he's doing now and take his pitches, he doesn't even need to be that like you know, 280, 40 homer guy that that is his ceiling, even if he is a guy who bats around 240 with mild, you know, moderate power and a good walk rate, that's very valuable for that leadoff position. And we know he has more in him to go above that stat line. So I, mm-hmm. I, I like it, Corey. I, I like it way more than I do with Almora because unlike Almora, Schwarber does take his pitches and Almora has that Starlin Castro syndrome in him where He's going to expand his zone because he's so good at making contact. He's going to make bad contact on pitches outside the zone. Schwarber is not going to do that. He's going to stay on those pitches. He's going to wait for his pitch to hit. And he's going to take those strikes, even though you and I will be like, why is he not swinging at that? So I, I like it. I hope it continues because I personally, this is what I want. I want Schwarber as your leadoff guy. But I know there's going to be a time where he's going to go through a slump and it's going to make you question once again if he's right for that role. But if he continues to do this, this this is my long-term solution. Last 25 games for Schwarber, this coming from Christopher Kamka. We've mentioned him a lot at C. Kamka on Twitter. Last 25 games, 269 batting average, a 912 OPS with four home runs and 11 RBIs. I'll tell you something, guys. That'll play. That'll play indeed. Uh, So, I, I want to cover two things before you you get to the series preview here, Brendan. And one one can be pretty quick. Uh, the other is Tyler Chatwood. So we'll talk about Ch- Chatwood in a second here. Yeah. I, I just want to remark quickly on how awesome it was when Rizzo took the D out of that Budweiser sign. That that <laughs> that's pretty much it. But in a in a three zero game, this was a bomb. And there is something I think you know when when I'm uh, an old wise man, and I'm I'm looking back on the, this period of Cubs baseball. There there may be few things that I reminisce on, or, or just like images that that stick with me than those Rizzo home runs at Wrigley Field. Just I those know. tanks and, and, and that, that beautiful oh. swing, and the way that he leans back when he knows he got one, and just watches that ball go. It's just so beautiful and so like I like quintessential like this Cubs team and, and this Cubs baseball and this was just one of those they're down three to nothing they get two guys on and Rizzo just hits an absolute bomb but the only thing I have to ask Brendan about this mm-hmm. how is there not a promotion 
that if somebody hits that freaking sign, everybody in the ballpark, you know, gets a free beer or something like that. Like, there's got to be like a bullseye on that thing now. I mean, he took one of the letters out. I think the only reason they don't do that is because they know they have the potential to hit that sign. (laughs) Yeah. They're (laughs) like, uh, we've seen what Rizzo and Schwarber can do, guys. We're going to lose a lot of beer if we do that. Yeah. But I'm I'm with you. my, My thing with Rizzo, too, I remember this so vividly. When he was just acquired by the Cubs... Uh, he was playing in the World Baseball Classic for Team Italy, and he was playing in Arizona. And I went to the game early just to go, you know, go go see what this guy looked like. And he was hitting tanks left and right. I'm sitting around fans, uh, some of which were Cup fans, and just so excited about the potential of the team. And during that time, the Cubs like were going through their 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 worst of the worst in their rebuild phase. So it's always fun to see these guys just like translate and and go from somewhat unknown to kind of defining your fandom of, a, of an yeah. era it's it's insane and I'm, I'll, re, I'll remember really just Rizzo's trademark swing I, I always compare him to Chase Elliott because he has that short stroke but that's that's it and I, I can recall so many times even being at games whether it's away games or, or games at Wrigley when he squares up you know right away it's gone yes. there's there's few guys in the league that have that ability when Rizzo squares up the moment you see that ball leave his bat you know it's going like 450 feet yeah. and yeah man like that's it's 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 almost going under noticed right like Rizzo has been on a tear the last 4 weeks and we've come to expect it and that was a point that you and I brought up with Javi and him being, quote-unquote, not hot by John Lester, yeah. it's when you start to suck and go through a slump that you start to notice things. Rizzo's out of that early season funk. He's hammering the baseball left and right. And we're just sitting here like, yep, that's, that's, that's Tony for you. And that's the trait of like a generationally great player, I think, is when you expect something that is among the best in the league. And when it doesn't happen, you're genuinely surprised that it's not happening. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Yeah, so uh, a similar... Thing another one from uh, Chris Kompka. Last twenty seven games, Anthony Rizzo has a three forty three batting average and Jeez, an eleven sixty four. Eleven sixty four. That's insane. OPS with ten home runs, twenty seven RBIs. He has twenty seven RBIs over his last twenty seven games. Again, I, I you know I'm really putting myself on a limb by saying this with these last two things, but that'll play. I, I really think that that'll play in in this league. And an eleven sixty four OPS. Yeah, I think that would do I, that. that dog will hunt, man. I, I think I think you can get away with that uh, in this league. 
But just real quickly before we we preview this uh, upcoming weekend series here, Tyler Chadwood, man, like you, you got to give him yeah. him props for, him. for some of these outings and. You know, again, coming in today and 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 roping a, a big hit that that almost like really nearly like pushed the Cubs to an epic comeback. Like that would have been one of the the, the key moments in that game. But his his ability to come in in some of these games and give you length and really good stuff has been really impressive. And sure. and I think yeah. you know, for as much as we've talked about some of these guys, you know, or even the last few years here and and you know, just sort of their their different situations and and what they're battling, like you got to give Tyler a lot of credit, man. Like he was awful in 2018 and he was dumped on by fans, the media, everybody. Like and, and, you know, it was to a degree, as long as it's within reason, like it was, you know, sort of deservedly so, right? He was terrible. No, yeah. But like th- for him to be able to stick with it, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't pout, you know, he, he, he stuck with it. He did the work. He, he put in the effort to try to figure out how to get better and how to rein in those control issues at least a little bit. And he's been a, a very productive piece for this team. And, and again, we mentioned a few of those games, like he's played a big role in a, in a few really nice wins for this mm-hmm. Cubs team. And I, I guess, I, I I wanted to say that, and I you know wanted to just like give him a, a lot of props for the the role that he's played and the job that he's done so far in 2019. But you know we keep kind of thinking about this out loud. Like what what role do you see him playing going forward? Because you know we're seeing him in some of these games. He's coming out. He's pumping like 98 miles an yeah. hour. He's got a ton of run and movement on some of these pitches. He's mixing in some of these breaking, you know, these off-speed pitches. Like, he's got nasty stuff, which is why they brought him on in the first place. But, you know, you have to wonder, like, is there a plan to keep two long men in in the bullpen in the, in the long run? Like, when we see Strope come back, uh, which is supposed to be soon, I believe. He says he's ready. I think we're getting ready for a rehab start pretty quickly here. So that's very good news, obviously. Uh, Brandon Morrow is trying the throwing program again. I'm not going to, you know, hold my breath on that, but it, but we'll see. And even if you made some moves, right, like, do you see them keeping two stretched out guys in this pen for, for situations like this? We've seen them, you know, do a, a U Darvish, Mike Montgomery piggyback. We saw Cole Hamels, Tyler Chatwood piggyback. Do you see them doing that? Do you see them trying to maybe shorten him up and, and get, you know, squeeze the absolute most out of that velo and out of that stuff for shorter spurts? Like what, what role do you see him playing if he is able to keep going forward? And, you know, not be, to- you know, not have command issues that are totally derailing these appearances. I-, I like the role he's in right now. I know Mike Montgomery is the lefty version of him, but there is value, I think, in having two long relief guys because you do have an aging rotation, one, and with Darvish still trying to figure things out, it is valuable to have two guys that you can rely on pending the matchups, too. But there were... Like, like Chatwood's performance was gutsy, and I think it kind of changed my mind a little bit. I was concerned there the past, the past few weeks because he was showing a lot of the same command issues that he had last season. There, there was, I mean, before that last game of the Philly series, his walk rate was almost seven batters per nine innings again. So having that four innings really 
deflated that walk rate again because against Washington, he walked two guys in two innings. Against Cincinnati, he walked two guys in two innings again. Previous outing in Milwaukee, three walks in four innings. So he was still showing a trend to walk guys. And against Philly, he had clearly better command. So for Chadwood, it's been a hit or miss this year. He's had outings where the command has been looking really sharp. And then at times where, uh, you know, surprisingly, the command is just not there anymore. So I don't really want to see him go into a different role until he hammers down this consistency. Because if he does have this ability to not walk guys, having a guy go three to four innings is valuable. And we saw the, the value of that when he did so against Philly there. So I, I, I like what it is. I know there were some hints that maybe making him to a high leverage reliever, maybe that seventh or eighth guy, because guys like Brad Brock have not been looking good. Uh, Kinsler has been struggling recently, and you're looking for solutions. And I understand that. And, I, and I, yeah, I think about that too. But I just don't know if Chatwood is your solution, given the uncertainty still with that command. Yeah, that 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 works for me. Um, I I do want to just quickly point out because we were talking about the Rizzo home run. The the Cubs just posted on Twitter that Budweiser sent Anthony Rizzo an invoice uh, <laughs> for parts and labor, and and the description of the repair is repairs of damage caused to Cubs and Budweiser property. Uh, they sent it to Anthony Rizzo at ten sixty West Addison. Uh, for $10,473, but they are the ones paying that invoice, and they are donating it to the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation. What a wonderful little story that that. is. Uh, So I just wanted to share that. That's very nice. So let me go ahead and preview this upcoming series against the Cincinnati Reds once again. So this time, the Reds will travel to Wrigley Field, and they will play a three-game set starting Friday at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. You'll have... uh, Del Scalfani for the Reds take the mound, who's 2-2 two two with a 4.6 ERA. Hendricks for the Cubs will take the mound with a 4-4 record and a 3.21 ERA. And then on Saturday, the Cubs will be back at it again at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. They'll have Tyler Malley on the mound for the Reds, who's 1-5 with a 3.51 ERA. Do not be fooled by that record. Malley is disgusting. Hard-throwing lefty, young lefties, has phenomenal stuff. Uh, I think on the Reds, in addition to uh, Castillo, he might be the second nastiest pitcher. You know, you can debate that, but he's very good. Hugh Darvish will face Malley. He's 2-3 and three with a 5.06 ERA. Thankfully, Corey, thankfully, the Cubs do not play Sunday night baseball. So they will play instead at 1.20 p.m. No more ESPN. We'll get Lennon JD for that game, thankfully. Tanner Rourke will take the mound 3-3, three and three, a 3.51 record. Jose Quintana will take them out for the Cubs, who's 4-3 and three with a 3.3 record right now. The Cubs are 29-19. and 19. The Reds are 22-27. and 27. The standings are as follows. The Cubs are a game and a half up on Milwaukee, who's 29-22. and 22. Pittsburgh is three and a half games back at 25 and 22. And the Cardinals, I hate to see it, Corey, but they are going down to 500 almost or 25 and 24, four and a half games back. Uh, just to give the complete picture in the National League, the Cubs still have the second best record behind the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are 32 and 18. But we'll see how that plays out. I think I'm not really looking for any one particular player this upcoming series. I'm just looking at how really Madden utilizes that bullpen given the issues, how 
Carl Edwards Jr. will be utilized with some of his uh, mishaps recently. Brad Brock, Brandon Kinsler, and maybe you know, you know, maybe we'll see Tyler Chatwood in that high leverage role. You never know. Anything you're looking for? Oh yeah, I mean we're out for retribution, man. The Reds ruined the, the, the ruined our series streak, <laughs> man. We we got to get them back for that. I, I think this is one where you demand they break out the brooms. Uh, we got to pay them wow, back. There, we had a wonderful little streak. There. Yeah, we had a wonderful little streak going, and the stupid Cincinnati Reds get all get all in our business uh, at their home ballpark. You know, like it's it's something. But uh, no, I mean just just keep it going. I, I mean I think. Um, you know, it's it's a tough series to split with with Philly. I think you you know you're left feeling like you could have won at least three in that one, which is always something that you know you want to do when you're playing another first place team. When you feel like you could have won the series, you know I think that those are uh, big moments for the group and and you know stuff that you can really build on. But I, you know, again, I, I think the Cubs are are playing really well for the most part. Um, you know, I I wish that they would in general clean up some of the the sloppiness that we've seen on defense. Um, you know, it, it's nothing that is driving me out of my mind necessarily, but it's just uncharacteristic. Yeah, for this it's kind group. of it's kind of driving me out of my mind. I mean, well, like, so does everything. Well, I, I mean, cause some of those plays. I will, yeah, I, it's just and it's just like uncharacteristic for this well, yeah, group. I, yeah. I think um, you know, for the most part, like one thing that we've I think been able to expect from them to a degree is is just that they're going to play really clean, good defense, make smart plays, and you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, Hayward got picked off uh, today. Like it just some weird like David sloppiness again, from them. Making plays um, he should yeah, be that, making. that I think, yeah. you know, you just want to see cleaned up in general. You want the bullpen to tighten up a little bit. But but in general, like, this team is playing very well. Um, they, you know, their record shows that. We're, we're getting really good performances out of a lot of these guys on offense. So, yeah, yeah I mean, just, just take it back to the Reds. They ended a very nice streak that we had, and we got to pay them back for it. So I think, as usual, that is all we have for you. We will come back to you after the Cubs finish up their series with the Reds. As always, we thank you guys for joining us and and listening to us and and participating with us. You can find us on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, etc. And if you would like to see us in a different app, just let us know and we will do our best. But again, thank you guys for listening and as always, go Cubs! Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. 
Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.